We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live after the Chargers loss at the hands of the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, here to dive into all of that uh, and everything that that kind of means, Chargers playoff hopes, all that good stuff, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, with my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing today? Uh, that was really hard to watch. And if you want to watch more of the Chargers struggle, then great news. They got flexed into Sunday night football next week. Uh, yeah, that was painful. Yeah, it was uh, very painful. Again, we'll uh, dive into all of that, um, you know, and uh, everything that it means, like I said. So uh, Tyler's here as well, man. Tyler, how are you feeling physically today? And uh, how's your dad doing after that? Physically, day to day, emotionally crutch. <laughs> uh, my dad is doing very well. He's he seems to be very happy. Emotionally, day to day as well. I think that's uh safe to say that that's where we're at in the, at this point of the season. I feel too. like I'm year year emotionally, <laughs> year to year emotionally after watching this team. So, um, like I said, obviously Chargers lose twenty seven twenty come up just short. Even though it didn't really ever feel that close in the second half, we'll dive into all of it. So. Uh, we'll kind of start from a general sense like we always do and, and kind of hone it into a specific sense. I think my biggest takeaway from today is that uh, I'm ready for a new offensive coaching staff. I, I still think that this team will bring back Brandon Staley. I think they believe in his vision for whatever it's worth. 
Um, but I think this is really a game where you where you saw how much the Chargers missed Frank Smith in particular um, and, and just his ability to handle protection plans and things like that. The, the Chargers game plan today heading into this matchup was atrocious, in my opinion. I mean, you have Will Clapp at starting center. You have Foster Sorrell at right tackle. You lose Zion Johnson at one point. And it wasn't until like the third quarter, like late in the third quarter that you saw the Chargers design a rollout for Justin Herbert that actually worked. I think there was actually one in the second quarter where Trey McKitty had a had a cut block on uh, Max Crosby. So, I mean, you head into this game with this offensive line. You lose Zion halfway through. feel like he's he's fine. I think he finished the game. But um, this offensive game plan was so bad, you completely hung Justin Herbert to dry for the last 60 minutes of football and it resulted in uh being hit 15 times sacked five additional times and against the raiders pass rush which was 28th in the league in pass rush productivity heading into this one so um you know there are several people at fault here but i just feel like this game plan was set up for the chargers to fail they didn't run the football they didn't do any kind of bootleg action they didn't do any kind of chipping until they figured out that, hey, like these guys can't really hold up. So this is absolutely a game where you missed Frank Smith. Obviously, you missed Corey Lindsley and the players. But I felt like this game plan was essentially, you know, a, a false view of where this offensive line and where Justin Herbert is at and his ability to diagnose things. And you saw late in the game that the Raiders smelled blood completely were just going after the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert. And this is not a team that blitzes a lot either. So this was a tendency breaker game for the Las Vegas Raiders because they knew that the Chargers could not pass protect. So uh, you can talk about personnel, but the game plan today for me was absolutely atrocious. They did not do enough of anything to help the offensive line and Justin Herbert to contribute in the passing game effectively for four quarters, let alone two quarters. Yeah, that seems to be the new game plan for the Chargers where, you know, Herbert was very good against pressure his rookie season. Um, and things weren't great that year. Like the offensive line was very, very bad. It kind of looked like the line you saw today. But man, like just this team, whether it's Telesco or Lombardi, it's like they just can't read the room with what's going on. Like Telesco watching this offense deteriorate because they're running out of players and just like, okay, we'll keep putting Foster Serral out there. Storm Norton was there today. He had a false start. Um, I noticed him on the PAT, so that was great. You know, there's no awareness there to get a receiver, to get a, a tight end, to get a lineman. And so I feel bad to a certain extent for the offensive coaching stuff. But at the same time, then you look at the offense and the guys that you do have, and I feel like in some weeks they've kind of not maximized, but they've tried to make it work with the guys they have. And today it just felt like, oh, we Chandler Jones and Max Crosby – this is the day we're going to drop back and throw it like crazy and keep Herbert inside the pocket. And I don't think they had consecutive runs until like the third or fourth quarter. Uh, I don't recall many instances, if more than two, where they ran it on back-to-back plays, which I understand like you have Herbert, you want to throw, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, again, read the room and look at what's going on. If you thought you were going to go into this game and pass it, I guess that's fine. You'd have Justin Herbert at the same time. Like once you realize it's not working and the Raiders are eating you up, you have to pivot and you can really see it's taking a toll on what Justin Herbert is processing, not necessarily as much down the field, but just right in front of him. Like there's something 
off about the way Justin Herbert is processing how to run and when to run and where to run when it comes to scrambles. And I don't even necessarily mean like, oh, he, he slid two yards early, which is slightly frustrating. But, you know, I have to be consistent and say I don't blame him because I get it. But it just seems like things are so odd for him. So the coaching staff really just really feels like they let Justin Herbert down today. Not that he was perfect, but whether it's, it's Telesco, whether it's coaching staff, whatever, nobody read the room, nobody figured it out. And they only put up, what, 13 points of offense today yeah. against the Raiders defense? Cause, yeah, because Callahan had the pick six, so 13 yeah. points against the Raiders. No, oh, inexcusable. And even when it comes down to personnel, do you really think the Raiders personnel is all that much better than what the Chargers had? Yes, they have Devontae Adams, and that's the best player you know on the field. And Josh Jacobs is playing phenomenal right now. But is their offensive line all that great? Is, is Foster Moreau, you know, the savior out there? Do they have other great weapons? Like, I really like Mac Hollins, but he's like, I don't know, Josh Palmer-ish to me. You know, the Raiders were able to get it done with, if not less, than at least as much, in my opinion, um, even though the Chargers did suffer more injuries. Um, the Raiders team isn't all that talented, but they got it done today. Yeah, um, overall, it just felt like there was a lot of miscommunication on offense, like in terms of what the Chargers wanted to do. The batted passes continued to be an issue for Herbert at times. And of course, like the amount of pressure that Herbert had to face comically, like in the first three quarters, like where the Raiders just keep coming and coming. 14 out of 22 dropbacks were hurries, I think, in the first half. And then, of course, it just felt like it only got worse from there. Uh, in the third quarter and then there was a brief moment in the fourth where it felt like the Raiders had just kind of run out of gas a little and that sort of like resulted in that Keenan Allen touchdown a little bit Um, but you know then the Raiders kind of get right back on it so it just felt like it never let up in terms of the pressure today Um, you know on one point there is just like okay we have Hymas out there for various points of this game we have Will Clapp it's you know uh, we're just throwing together what we can at 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 that point but like Steven said, or, or, you know, what we talked about, like the 2020 offensive line, that wasn't a good offensive line. It was really bad at points. And there were players who were coming in and out of that offensive line, but the Chargers still kind of found ways around it, you know, to sort of make, you know, plays um, till the end of the season where it sort of fell apart. Um, but in this game, like there was just kind of like none of that. Like it just felt like as soon as Herbert at any point could before he could even step up in the pocket, you know, then he was, you know, just dropped for sack or, you know, had to throw it away immediately. Uh, Or even when he did step up in the pocket, then he's walking into a sack, right? Which we sort of have already talked about. Um, But overall, like, I I just don't know what to really make of this offense at this point. I don't think anyone outside of Eckler on screens, I don't even know, like Eckler on screens probably was 90% of their offense today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or at least that's what it felt like in terms of yardage and just how much of a struggle it was to get up the field, um, you know, continuously on drives. And so, you know, this has kind of been what the Chargers have been, I guess, for the last three or four weeks. Like, it doesn't feel like they've had a game where it's, you know, offense has come easy to them by any means. And in theory, like the Raiders game should have been the one. Um, but my concerns coming into this game were, Hey, what are you going to do about the Raiders defensive line? You know, sort of failed that assignment. And then of course, bodies start dropping on the offensive line. Uh, and then what are you going to do about Josh Jacobs? And in addition to kind of failing the Josh Jacobs test, they also failed the Devonte Adams test in a pretty horrific way. Uh, yeah. So overall bad coaching, bad, you know, 
playing. I, I really don't think many players stood out today. I, I have a hard time coming up with many studs of this game, aside from, you know, maybe Herbert in like the fourth quarter. But um, outside of that, like it, it's a pretty hard game to really find any great overperformers from for the Chargers. And uh, yeah, like like Steven said, it just felt like the game plan kind of on both sides of the ball really didn't help the Chargers players out. And then the players, I mean, like all the mistakes that were out there today were pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of studs, I'm mean, like, we'll we'll, um, we'll get to there if we have time. Obviously, there are a couple that I think deserve some love today, but it just it, it feels like very arrogant the way that the Chargers approach this game. Like they they looked at the way that the Raiders have performed all season on defense and figured, okay, we're just going to run our stuff and it's going to work. And it doesn't matter if Foster Sarrell's in there. It doesn't matter if Will Clapp is in there or Brennan Hymas is in there. And, you know, you, you come into this game and to me, the way you treat this game is the way that you, tr- you treat the San Francisco game where they, they did a lot of max protect. They did a lot of rollouts. They did RPOs. They did, uh, you know, an emphasis on the run game. And, you know, the, the 49ers defense is one of the best in the league. They had an, and they've had an awesome day today uh, against the Dolphins as well. Um, and it worked like with middling results. And I would have taken that today. I think middling results on offense probably gets you a win today against this Raiders team. But, you know, them just going out there and just having, you know, Justin Herbert drop back over 50 times and two or three of them are rollouts and like three or four of them are play action stuff. It was just arrogant and it was bad coaching. And again, you have a bad offensive line. You have to adjust. And, you know, you get seven carries for Josh Kelly. I mean, 30 yards from Josh Kelly is nothing to write home about, but it's 4.3 yards per carry, man. And they completely went away from it in the second half. He was not featured to start the game at all either. So I just, I have a hard time looking at the way the offense played today and feeling any kind of optimism to close the season. I mean, Keenan Allen was back today. Didn't really make an impact until you know, late in the two minute warning in the first half and then late in the game in the fourth quarter when the game was essentially already over. So uh, to me, this offensive coaching staff hung Justin Herbert out to dry today consistently. And that is why they lost. I I mean, we all know what the defense is at this point. We all know that they can't stop anybody on the ground. We all know that Devontae Adams is fantastic. If the Chargers were going to win today and if they're going to win going forward, the offense has to be, you know, performing at at least an above average level. And today they they were arrogant. They were poorly coached. They did not do enough to make plays consistently or protect Justin Herbert consistently. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of hate on Brandon Staley in the defense. But to me, this offensive coaching staff today deserves all of the blame. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, we were sort of talking about this during the week where it just felt like considering the Chargers offensive line and considering the adjustment that they made during that Niners game of like, hey, we're just going to like, you know, considering the state of the offensive line, considering we have Sarah out there on Bosa, like we're going to make adjustments in terms of how we call plays. And I remember, you know, messaging with Steven earlier in the week and just being like, oh, like that feels like the game the Chargers are going to have to play if they win or Mm -hmm. if they're going to win. And then they drop back 50 times. (laughs) Like, so it just felt so weird that previously you made this adjustment. And then with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, you're just like, "Eh, I mean, you know, fine. Like you will take our losses there. It's just like you can't you can't do that in this game. Otherwise, the result is going to be what the result was, with both of them having the you know monster days that they did. So it just felt it, like you said, arrogant of the coaching staff and just just perplexing and inconsistent in terms of how they you know have called games and adjusted 
earlier in the year in those situations where they didn't have the bodies out there and just changing their offense to be designed to do something differently, even if it wasn't necessarily successful. Whereas this game, they just they just felt like they were going to beat the Raiders doing the same stuff they did in week one. And it's just like, no, like that wasn't going to be the case today. No, even then, I'd be curious to look at the protections and how they ran that because I felt like you saw a lot more Trey McKitty on the outside. Donna Parham yeah. wasn't playing, but I feel like they did a lot more to help out Trey Pipkins. And I don't know about Rashawn Slater, but it felt like they did more to help out. And I don't know, man. It was just rough, rough to watch. And if they can't even protect at this point, I don't know. Next week's going to be rough. I mean, the Dolphins are going to bring it. I know they didn't play all that great today, but we know how it's going to go. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, the Dolphins have one of the most aggressive defensive coaches in the league. They pressure at one of the highest, or they blitz, I should say, at one of the highest rates in the league. So, you know, if Corey Lindsley is back next week, you're probably, you'll probably be better, obviously, than, you know, what it was today. And obviously, we'll see what happens with Trey Pipkins. But that's the other thing, too. Like, you know, we saw Brendan Hymas had to play. If anything else had happened to the offensive line, like if Matt Filer had gotten injured today, too, we would have had to see like Storm Norton at left guard or or Zach Bailey at left guard. Like if Will Clapp mm-hmm. had gotten injured, we'd see, you know, probably Hymas play center and Storm Norton comes in and plays right guard. Like the the lack of urgency at signing offensive linemen, like, again, I, I'm not yeah. asking you to go out there and, and, and make a trade at the deadline for for like one of the better offensive linemen in the league. But like you were you were one injury away from having Storm Norton play guard. Mm-hmm. guard like not tackle guard a different position than the one that he already sucks at so it's just the offensive game plan was terrible today the roster management this week was atrocious it's been atrocious all season long and i understand that there are certain cap restraints absolutely i understand not going out and trading for these you know super expensive players i totally understand not going out and signing like odell beckham jr for example but continually just pivoting to practice squad players. Mm-hmm. This is you're making it so much harder on yourself week in and week out to protect your most valuable asset in Justin Herbert, because you are too stubborn to go make an adjustment in your, in the way that you build this roster. So uh, it, it just was, was frustrating to watch. I wasn't expecting the team to come in and roll the Raiders. Like everybody was, everybody this week yeah. was taking the Raiders way too lightly. In my opinion, I picked the Ra- the chargers to win by one point. But I expected to see competent offense. Like I'm not, ex- mm-hmm. I'm not asking for them to light up the world. I'm asking them for be to, to be competent to protect Justin Herbert. Do smart things. Roll him out. Run the ball. Like it just was so frustrating to watch them head into this game and just think that they could do their usual stuff and be fine in this kind of setting. Yeah, and you know we talked about Storm Norton. Like it just felt like all of the awkward roster decisions that the chargers have made you know in terms of their practice squad elevations and their you know inactives actives on game day injuries like all of it just kind of caught up to them this game right with the storm norton thing who has been he's been inactive he's been okay we're going to also have him in the game but also activate Sarrell. okay well now norton's in a bigger spot now and maybe he has to like be our backup swing guard like so there's just been so much you know from the beginning and at one point, the Chargers this season trusted Norton to be their swing tackle. You know, three, four weeks into the season, it became clear they didn't trust him to be their swing tackle, but he's still on the roster. And in this game, he functions as their swing guard because of injuries. Like, I, I just, you know, that kind of thing doesn't add up to me. And then, 
you know, we've talked about like the, the practice squad elevations, particularly when uh, I think Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were out and we were talking about the wide receivers. But uh, yeah, it, it just felt like there were a lot of conflicting decisions about, you know, who to elevate, who not to elevate, not so much this week, but in previous weeks and roster management that just kind of crept up on them this week when it's like, oh, well, we, you know, our entire offensive line now is decimated. And because we didn't have urgency in the offseason and because we've made these really weird calls throughout the year in terms of what our offensive line, you know, is and what our mentality is, you know, moving on after, you know, the Frank Smith era last year, um, it it just felt like they did not have like a cohesive game plan. And and certainly from an offensive line respect at all, but just really weird personnel decisions this game, too. Yeah, absolutely agree there. Before we move on to the defense, I do have to say that touchdown pass to Keenan Allen was one of the best throws I have ever seen in my life. And uh, it's a shame that that was wasted because that touchdown pass that Justin Herbert threw was insane. Uh, and obviously, I, it was it's kind of an empty touchdown, but uh, man, was that throw insane. Yeah, I mean, I got the same vibes from that throw of like the the fourth and 21 to Josh Palmer, you know, last year where it's just like Justin Herbert makes this like really impossible throw. Um, And, you know, Keenan Allen kind of, you know, comes alive at that moment. And the Raiders did everything they could perfectly on that play, like defensively, and it it didn't work. So, you know, the superhuman efforts of Justin Herbert can continue to carry this team to 27, 20 losses. If the rest of the team is going to look like this, because yeah. man, I, I can't imagine what the score of this game would have been if Justin Herbert actually like had a really bad game or if they didn't have Justin Herbert in this game. Um, because yeah, that would have been a really big blowout. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I'm I'm over the offensive staff at this point. I uh mm-hmm. I've kind of started to dig into offensive coordinator candidates and uh yeah. you know, I'm gonna put out a, a firmer list later on this week because I just I can't keep watching this and and like everybody always took me as like a Joe Lombardi defender, but I was just kind of patient. I feel like, and willing to kind of wait out and see how this is, this kind of evolved, you know, especially with all the injuries waiting for guys to come back. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this to me, like I said, like arrogant is the word of the uh, word of the day for me, because I just, I can't watch the way that this staff calls plays. Uh, I I just can't do it anymore. Um, All right. A bunch of super, super chats. Sorry, Tyler, did you have something there? Nah, it's okay. the same thing as I've said. A lot of losses and even some of the wins this year. So no, not really. Yeah, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, so uh, I don't know if anybody in the chat has like some names they want to throw out for offensive coordinator, but uh, feel free and do that. Uh, all right, some super chats. Christian Hernandez earlier. Uh, why don't we ever roll Herbert out of the pocket? They do, just not enough. I mean, it, it's two or three times a game, maybe four if we're lucky, but it certainly is not enough. So uh, obviously that's something that we talked about earlier. Um, movie fan Z, Staley has failed this team. Feel bad for Herbert. So um, I think where we, I think we all know where Tyler kind of is at at this point. Alex, uh, your thoughts here to movie fanzies comment and uh, super chat about Brandon Staley feeling the Chargers. Yeah, I was out last week when they won the game against the Cardinals, so I'm still, <laughs> I'm still out this week. Um, but I mean, if, if we're talking about Staley specifically this game, I actually don't think this game was as poorly coached as last week, even though obviously the result is is different. And you know, we give Staley a lot of credit for the fourth and you know the. Uh, going for the two-point conversion last week. Um, but, like, this just felt like, con- considering, you know, what we just said about Lombardi and this offense, um, I-, I didn't think this was, like, a terribly coached game by Brandon Staley, but more just in terms of an individual game, but just the lingering problems throughout the year um, that, you know, kind of continue to plague this team on third down defense, um, the injuries that have always caught up to them, the offense. Like, it's the same things we kind of say every week, like Tyler said. Um, so... I was kind of out on the Staley regime last week and nothing has kind of gotten me back in. Yeah. So Staley was a little bit more aggressive today. I felt like that was a a good thing to see this week. Um, And for what it's worth, the Raiders were only three of 10 on third down. Uh, So really most of the Raiders damage actually happened on first and second down. CBS had that stat early in the game where the Raiders were averaging like eight yards a play on first down. So um third down defense weirdly not the problem this week great uh zach i know right improvement yay uh zach pearson says at this point i fear the offensive staff is instilling a fear of getting hurt into herbert he's not escaping and the batted passes are so odd um we've we've talked about the batted passes i don't think it's that odd you know herbert does have a lower release and people are Opposing teams are kind of teeing off. I mean, you saw Chandler Jones. They they kind of did a stunt, and he, and he worked over the middle, and, and he wasn't even going to rush the passer. He kind of just sat like two yards behind, uh, behind the line of scrimmage and was just like waiting for Herbert to throw it, and he did. So um, I, I don't think it's that odd. Josh Allen is second in the league in bad passes right behind Justin Herbert. So I think it's just a, a volume thing more than anything else. But, um, you know, we already talked about the offensive staff, so. It's hard to say with the whole instilling fear of getting hurt into Herbert. I don't think it's instilling fear and, you know, Herbert getting hurt or something. I just think that Herbert's always been a bit awkward when he does run it occasionally. <laughs> like we saw it against the, um, the Patriots even last year. Like he just kind of had a couple awkward runs right into yeah. the defensive tackle. And it's just, it, it's very, very odd. But it seems like the more he did it last year, the more comfortable he got. But then, you know, how do you ask him to do that when he's got the rib injury? It's tough to say. Like, if he were like this, but he were completely healthy, then yeah, maybe I would I would lead more heavily into the coaching staff being a huge problem here. I do think there is something wrong with what they're asking him to do and the way he's processing things. But at the same time, you know, I have to pick the side of you know Herbert needs to be healthy. He's the priority. You know, if if I get mad at the coaching staff for not pulling him 
at the end of games, I can't get mad because he's also sliding early or not running as, as hard or whatever during the game. So it's tough to I tell. Think that's fair. But uh, it, it looks awkward. I'll say that much for sure. Yeah, yeah uh, and I will. I will say that I need to be ideologically consistent as well. And if I spent four years of my life yelling at Carson Wentz to slide when he, you know, just ran into like the worst <laughs> play in the world, or like tried to dive and got smashed, then I also have to give credit to Herbert for being a little bit conservative on those plays, where you know you don't commit like a bad turnover, or uh, you know just don't you know get hit on like a really bad play, which there is always potential of that. Um, you know, again, there have been moments this season where I think, okay, you know, if Herbert, if Herbert sees the field a little bit differently then like, yeah, he could have dove for that first down or like he could have, you know, there was, was it the, I don't remember which touchdown it was or which red zone trip it was. Was it against the chiefs where he sort of like kind of did like a mm. sort of like he had, one la- he had one last week against the Cardinals too. Yeah, well, he sort of did like a hezzy run like near the goal line and like didn't get there. Um, I don't remember exactly which game it was, but he's had a couple of those moments this year. Um, the batted passes, you know, have been there, you know, uh, all year long. In terms of like a culture of like fear, I, I don't know if the coaching staff is like instilling anything there. I, I do think Herbert is genuinely concerned about getting blasted when he's already have a, had a rib injury this year and he's had to play through that for two months now, roughly speaking. Um, so at this point, you know, I think that that's kind of just going to be what Herbert is probably for the rest of the year, a until he gets better protection, hopefully next year. And then, you know, B just like until he peels up over the course of the off season or, or gets some kind of new direction in terms of how the chargers are calling plays, right? Like this is, uh, I think sort of, unfortunately when it's going to be, the batted passes thing, like I do think that'll eventually kind of change as Herbert, you know, really does start to get healthier. The more distance he does get away from that uh, injury, you know, particularly next year. But the other stuff are, are all factors that date back pretty closely to the injury um, and how the coaching staff is coaching right now. I think this has just kind of been who Justin Herbert is as a runner, at least. Like I, I think you know, Anthony Lynn and his staff really harped on, on Justin Herbert sliding and that is continuing with this current staff. So sure. But I, I think you watch Justin Herbert run and he's very intentional about sliding early and making sure that he does not get hit. Um, I mean, on that first drive today, after, uh, the, the chargers got the fumble, he, he easily could have had that first down on second down with his legs. And he slid like three yards early frankly, for no reason, I felt like, again, that he could have just, you know, you know, walked his way to the first down. And then, of course, the Chargers ended up going for on fourth down, did not get it and uh, came away empty from that possession. So I think this is just who Justin Herbert is, unfortunately. And I, I think some of that is good, right? Like, I think it's smart that he protects himself. I'm not asking him to go full Josh Allen. Like everybody kind of, you know, hates that he's not full Josh Allen. But I think you hear every single week that Josh Allen's coaches would want less full Josh Allen, uh, you know, a little bit more sliding. So I just, I just need like 10% of Josh Allen and Justin Herbert as a runner and I'd be cool with it. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a balance between being overly cautious and overly reckless. Right. And I I think that there is just somewhere that Herbert eventually will have to get to in the middle of that. But like, at the same time, I wouldn't mind Herbert being a little bit more conservative if it wasn't 
such a grind for this team to pick up, you know, absolutely third and two, fourth and two, you know, like those kind of, you know, small chunk plays, um, stopping, you know, one to three yard short of the down marker wouldn't be that much of a problem then if, if it wasn't, you know, as Tyler's nickname indicates, you know, pulling teeth um, on offense sometimes. Yep. All right. Uh, big shout out, of course, as always to uh, Mama Shun. Appreciate the super stickers there. Um, Rich E says Steichen had Herbert cooking as a rookie with the worst O line. I feel like we kind of have hashed this out at this point. Steichen was bad in 2020. It's okay to admit that. You know, he's become a much, much better coach in Philly, but he was also bad in 2020. I think what it really is, too, is that we're assuming that the growth that Steichen has and has shown, supposedly, and not that I watch Eagles film, would have happened with the Chargers. I don't necessarily think that would entirely be the case. And and then who is grooming Steichen or helping him develop? You know, he doesn't have Sirianni. If if it were Staley and it's Steichen on offense and this guy's like, oh, you're giving up, you know, 27 points per game, so I have to just keep trying and throwing and – I, I don't know if we would have had the same Shane Steichen that everyone's assuming that went to Philly and got better under Sirianni and has now really improved to a great play, play caller. Don't think that would have happened with the Chargers. Yeah, no. Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni is is a it's a great relationship there, and they have you know really been able to focus in on things. Brian Johnson, their quarterbacks coach, is also a fantastic quarterbacks coach. They have the best offensive line in the league. They traded for AJ Brown, like. Shane is in a great environment right now, and that has absolutely accelerated his growth as a head coach. I don't think that same thing happens, like Tyler is saying, if the Chargers had managed to keep him or decided to keep him. And again, like I understand why people are upset about this, but everybody wanted this entire coaching staff gone in 2020. Everybody. We all saw the tweets. We all talked about it. We did like four episodes on Anthony Lynn sucks. That's what happens when you fire coaches. You clean house and uh, you know, that obviously included Shane Steichen. Yeah. Um, I think at a certain point, like when you're trying to get a new coaching staff too, like keeping Shane Steichen potentially like might've been an impotent to, you know, like any coaching staff they would have want to hire. Cause it's like, okay, well you will hire you, but you have to keep this offensive coordinator. And we talked about that at the time. Um, I think when they were, you know, talking about, you know, which coaches to hire and all those sorts of things. Um, you know, and like Steven said, uh, the growth of Sirianni doesn't happen, you know, I don't think if he stays as Chargers head coach. I mean, I'm sure he would do cool things with Justin Herbert. Absolutely. But also he'd be dealing with this offensive line instead of the best offensive line in the league. Uh, and, you know, he'd be dealing with you know, kind of this, a difference. Yeah, kind of a difference in terms of the the wide receivers that are available to him, too, with, you know, Keenan and Mike being in and out of the lineup this season compared to A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith and Quez Watkins being available every game, right? So, I mean, that's sort of the difference there. Um, I, I do think there is something to be said about what Steichen was willing to be more flexible with Herbert uh, in terms of what, you know, instead of just dropping back 50 times uh, and, like, asking Herbert to win the game that way, yeah, there were times where Steichen was more flexible in 2020. But, I, again, I don't think that Steichen would have had the same growth where it, it should be assumed um, that he would have if he stayed here. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I think I saw the one last one from Christian Hernandez again. He said two of his first touchdown today was a 10-yard throw taken for a 75-yard touchdown by their third receiver. Uh Trent Sherfield, I'm assuming, uh, if I have my Dolphins roster yeah. correctly. Uh, he says, we have no one that can do that at all. 
uh, yeah, I mean, they had one in, they went into the season with one fast receiver and figured that was uh, fine. So, you know, again, an issue from roster construction. Yeah. Dolphins scored, what, 13 points today? 17 points. A little better. That Niners defense, man. It's fucking unreal. Um, all right. Speaking of uh, the opposite, I guess, the Chargers defense today gives up 27 points to the Raiders. Um, Derek Carr, he was fine. 250 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, obviously. Uh, Josh Jacobs goes 26 carries, 144 yards, and one touchdown. Uh, Devontae Adams goes eight catches, 177 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, you know, 12 targets there for Mr. Devontae Adams. The Chargers, I think, did not even sack Derek Carr a single time. Nope. Zero sacks and two quarterback hits for the Chargers pass rush today. Um, and somehow we managed to start the, the, the conversation with the offensive staff. So, uh, Tyler, what do you make of the uh, defensive performance today? Um, well, like you said, they were better on a third down, so that's cool. But I believe that's the <laughs> fourth straight week of averaging about 400 yards of offense allowed. Um, I'm resigned to the fact that if there's some sort of star player on the opposing team, that player, regardless of whether they're the only player or one of three players, um, that player is going to go off. We've seen a Travis Kelsey. We've seen a Devontae Adams. I do kind of feel bad for the DBs that were covering Adams because I feel like there were many, man, that was really good coverage moments. Like Asante Samuel Jr., you basically couldn't have played that touchdown all that much better, but it was a touchdown. You know, I mean, Adams almost had this one-handed grab and it's like, you can't really play that all much better. Um, Adams just had a really good game. But still, was not great on defense. And, and that, that's part of it. Like, oh, why we can't we run, why can't we run the ball more? Why don't we run it more? Well, they're also down 27 points every single game. Like, this defense is going to give up 27 every game, even to not that great teams. Um, I am I, I, horrified about how this is going to go next week um, if those guys are healthy for the Dolphins. I don't know, man. Like it, it's just not complimentary football. It's not great. You can't rely on turnovers. The Chargers get their one random turnover um, every week. They also tend to get one missed field goal every week. Other than that, you know, defense just they get walked over, run over, thrown all over. There's nothing about the scheme that I think is holding anybody down. Um, when players play well, you know, if Morgan Fox is a great day, awesome. He had a pretty solid day today. Um, when these players play well, the defense can look good schematically or coaching wise. I don't know. And it looks like the same things over and over again. You can beat the offense the same way. And it seems like now you can beat the defense the same way too. And it's really frustrating. Um, I mean, to me, th this, this starts with pass rush pressure. Like they didn't get any. Um, and you, you know, you can't beat the Raiders that way. If Derek Carr is going to have all this time back in the pocket and like, he'll, he'll wait for Asante Samuel Jr. To literally fall down, you know, after like 10 seconds of the Chargers not getting pressure and then, okay, there's a big play. Um, or he'll wait for some miscommunication in the secondary, you know, after he's had 14 Mississippis to throw, like, you know, <laughs> the, this game is defined by, uh, to me, the amount of time that Justin Herbert had to throw versus the amount of time that Derek Carr had to throw. Um, yeah. And I think you have to call the defensive line on, out on that too. Kyle Van Noy and Chris Rumpf, I, you could have told me they weren't on the field today and I would have believed you. Um, I mean, as far as the interior defensive line, they don't have the pieces there anymore because they're all hurt. And you're asking Sebastian Joseph Day 
to like be a primary pass rusher for you when he wasn't really brought in here to do that. Um, you know, you're talking about Cleo Mack. Cleo Mack's kind of been invisible for like a month. Um, I mean, that, like that's a pretty big deal. Now, I understand there's no Joey Bosa. And like, yeah, of course, we're waiting for him to come back. And this Chargers defense, you know, that they envisioned with Mack and Bosa on the edges uh, is, is very different than what you would get now. But like, we've also seen Khalil Mack have very good games on this team that weren't entirely because of Joey Bosa. Like he, he's just been invisible um, and they can't afford that considering the rest of the, you know, edge rush pieces, the rest of the interior pass rush pieces at this point, he just can't have really a, a zero on the stat sheet. And that's really what he had today. And then, you know, you get to, of course, the secondary, which I mean, had its fair share of problems. No one's going to say that Michael Davis or Sante Samuel Jr., had a perfect game, you know, covering Devonte Adams by any means, but they kind of played as well as they could have given the circumstances. I mean, the two big plays in this game are Sante Samuel Jr. accidentally falling down and then the flea flicker to Devonte Adams, which I mean is caused by again, lack of interior pressure and then a miscommunication, uh, I believe by Nasir Adderley there in the outside corner. So like, I, I, I don't know what, you know, Sante and Michael Davis are really supposed to do about that per se. Um, absolutely. You know, Devonte Adams having a big game falls on everybody. Josh, we could talk about the run defense too, which is still as bad as it, you know, ever has been. Um, but at this point, you know, for me, this game, when we talk about defense, it's all about the lack of pass rush and they haven't had a pass rush that has been effectively good. They kind of had a good game against the chiefs, but aside from that, they haven't had a pass rush that scares absolutely anyone uh, really since Joey Bosa has been on the field. And to me, that's the story of the Chargers 2022 defense. And, you know, specifically when you talk about this game, the difference between what Justin Herbert and Derek Carr had time to do, like it, it's it's drastic. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And, uh, you know, it's it's a lack of pass rush for the Chargers, and it was way too much pass rush for the Raiders on the opposite side for against Justin Herbert. So um, this this pass rush, man, like, I mean, Morgan Fox, like if we if we get to set of the day, like Morgan Fox is probably going to be my choice. I thought he was pretty fantastic today. But if Morgan Fox is your best pass rusher, you got problems. Like you you cannot win football games like that. And, you know, they did they did some interesting things in the first half with Kyle Vanoy kind of working as a as a stand up rusher. And, you know, Khalil Mack had worked as a stand up rusher as well. But um, if Derwin James is not pressuring the quarterback or Morgan Fox is not pressuring the quarterback, it's just it's been basically non-existent for this team. And, you know, I, I love Khalil Mack. I'm wearing his shirt right now. I have his poster up behind me. I think he's done, you know, for the most part, a wonderful job uh, for what he was signed for. Um, but I think he's kind of wearing down. Like, I, I think they're asking him to do too much. It's not that they're asking. He's not getting double teamed a lot. He he isn't. You know, ESPN has him as one of the, the least double teamed pass rushers in the league. The problem is that he just he can't win his one on ones in the same way that they needed him to. And again, you're assigning him to be the number two to Joey Bosa's number one. That's fine. I think your expectations are not for him to be, you know, one of the best pass rushers in the league, but they're frankly not getting enough out of him. And, you know, that's, you know, and a tribute to who is around him. You know, nobody else is winning one-on-ones consistently, like I said, outside of Morgan Fox. But at the same time, like we're at the point where we have not had Khalil Mack 
make a real impact as a pass rusher in quite some time. So, you know, it's it's a mess right now. I mean, Chris Rumpf has not taken, frankly, any kind of step forward. Calvin Noy has not been the player that they hoped, you know, he was going to be. Derek Tuska is is playing too much and not good at all. So, uh, you know, people kind of got mad at me the other day when I said I was taking a pass rusher in the first round next year. And I think these are the games where you really see that they need a true number three pass rusher, you know, going forward. You know, they not run this back with Chris Rumpf as your edge three next year. It's just not going to work. It's going to be the same kind of situation again next year. So you, you don't have any kind of pass rush. And, you know, your inability to hit Derek Carr allows these extended drives. It allows these explosive plays to happen. And then your defense gets worn down in the fourth quarter and can't tackle Josh Jacobs. So I agree with Alex. I think this is this everything, all the weaknesses that the Chargers have right now is all stemming from the lack of a pass rush. Yeah. Um, and, and just, you know, we sort of talked about how the offense in their performance today really stemmed from Joe Lombardi's and, and the coaching staff as a whole, their failure to sort of adapt, right? It's just like, all right, well, we're going to throw Justin Herbert 50 dropbacks. In terms of the defense, we've seen Staley be like, okay, Derwin, come up and blitz. We've seen Drew Tranquil get in. We didn't really see any of that today. Like, we didn't really see the Chargers have many opportunities to do that, or Michael Davis and the sack on Kyler Murray um, that changed the game last week. We didn't really see the Chargers do much exotic blitz packages, and partially because they, you know, couldn't afford to at some point. But you have to manufacture pressure some way. And if that involves bringing up Derwin James, you know, if that involves bringing up Drew Tranquil, then you have to do it instead of just relying on like, you know, three or four guys to, you know, get you pass rush pressure who you know and have, you know, data that they can't get you this pass rush pressure in their current state. Um, so I, I feel like the Chargers should have tried to do something a little bit more and been a little bit more aggressive, even if it burned them deep on a couple of plays or even if it got them killed, like they just should have tried something, but it just feels like compared to previous games, they, they really didn't. Yeah. I think tranquil and James at least had a sack. James definitely had a sack last time they played the Raiders. And it seems like they went away from that today. A little bit of a surprise there because I mean, by all accounts, your secondary was the same. You had the same guys you've been used to the last couple of weeks. So I don't know. I don't know. People are talking about trading Herbert in the chat, dude. I don't know. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Get out of here. If you want them to trade Justin Herbert, stop watching the show. It's nonsense. My goodness. Um, The other thing, obviously, with Devontae Adams here, I, I thought that the Chargers initially did some good things. They were mixing things up with him with who was covering him more so than last time. You know, Michael Davis had some good moments on him. Asante Sammy Jr., Derwin James, they all had reps against him early. And then, you know, it just... <laughs> It just kind of snowballed. So Devontae Adams in two games against the Chargers this year. Um, I, I just had the number in front of me, but you know, he ends up with eight catches, 177 yards, and two touchdowns today after having that enormous game in week one. So I mean, I think you're talking about over 300 yards and four touchdowns in two games uh, against the Chargers for Devontae Adams. That's great. He's, he's here for how much longer? <laughs> We get rid of Tyreek Hill and we get this instead. And then the Chiefs yeah. are so good. Yeah, the Chiefs are better than they were with Tyreek Hill. Yeah, at least they lost Although they today. lost today. They lost yeah. today, yeah. Well, I don't know why they can't beat the Bengals. Yeah, really strange. Very, very strange. That well, one. Not that the Bengals are terrible, but like, I can't believe they can't beat the Bengals. 
Yeah. I, I, like I, I tried to tell people a couple of weeks ago, you know, the Bengals are, are legitimately a tier above the, uh, the chargers right now. So, um, all right, well, uh, we'll end this conversation today, just kind of, you know, doing a, a final look ahead, if you will. So obviously the, the chargers got a little bit of a lucky bounce this week in the form of a jets loss. Uh, the Patriots also lost. So chargers sitting at six and six, uh, theoretically, they're in the same position as they were heading into the week, which is, you know, kind of on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. Uh, but, you know, they obviously need help and they obviously have to, you know, win the rest of their game. So, Tyler, we'll start with you. Uh, playoff vibes. Uh, how are you feeling about those the Chargers chances at this point? Uh, don't believe it's happening. You had You had to at least show me some life. Now, if magically everyone returned to the team next week and everyone were healthy, sure. But the way things are trending, guys are out longer than they really should, or not should, but than expected, I would suppose. We're still losing guys at a rapid rate from the team. You know, Sebastian Joseph Day is now probably going to be out. So Morgan Fox is now your your DT1 on the year. I, I just don't see it. I don't see them beating the Dolphins. And I look ahead, oh, are they going to beat the, the Titans? Are they stopping Derrick Henry? Like I might not even watch that game. I don't think I really want to watch Derrick Henry set the new NFL record for rushing yards in that game. Are they going to win at Denver, the place that they're historically cursed to go play? <laughs> Despite the fact that the Broncos aren't very good, they barely beat the Broncos last time at home. I don't know, man. I don't see the playoffs for this team. I am happy if they make it. And if they don't and they fire some, uh, some people, sort of happy with that too. But I don't see it, man. I really don't see it at this point. Um, I mean, we said that they had to go three and one in this stretch of Cardinals, Raiders, Dolphins, Titans. And you look at the team today, who who in their right minds believes they're gonna go two and oh in the next two games? Um, like I don't I don't I don't think they could beat the Dolphins. And then like Tyler is saying with the Titans, like, yeah, the Titans played bad today against the Eagles, but like if the Titans get like a 7-0 lead and they can run with their Henry <laughs> against the Chargers. It's game over. Like the game is over at that point. Um I don't I don't know. Like I've never seen the Chargers aren't gonna get like a big enough lead on any team at this point to be able to like put the game out of reach. And we've just seen this continuously. So what what makes you think they have a chance of beating the Titans? Um I don't want to get too Debbie Downer because, like, you know, of course, you know, maybe they get a lucky win against the Dolphins and get some momentum or they get players back. Maybe Bosa comes back. Uh, but at this point, I mean, anyone who's objectively watching and following this team, they should be heavily betted against in the next two games. Um, and that would put them at six and eight and, and out of the playoff hunt, realistically speaking. Yeah, weirdly, I would feel better about the Chargers' chances of beating the Titans than I would next week. I would uh, agree. I think most of that, frankly, just comes down to quarterback play. Um, I don't, I don't trust Ryan Tannehill to to do what it needs to be done at this point. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, the I didn't watch the game obviously, but the the 49ers had the Dolphins in hell. It looks like for for most of that game. The Chargers don't have the same kind of horses that the 49ers do. They certainly do not have the same kind of defensive coaching staff either. So mm-hmm. um, you know, this, today's loss was a, a brutal hit to the Chargers' playoff chances. And again, I think the three of us kind of felt at least mildly good about this game heading into it. But, you know, I, I'm i trying to be like positive and like still talk about playoffs and things like that for a reason. But 
it's just it's hard for me to look at the way that this loss happened today and feel like this team can overcome things you know they've been very inconsistent they've been you know win a couple lose a couple that's just not going to get you into the playoffs in the AFC the way that the AFC is playing I mean the Jets lost today with Mike White at quarterback and they damn near also they almost won like they they were you know a couple plays here and there away from legitimately beating the Vikings on the road I just I don't have that same kind of confidence in the Chargers and there and where they're at right now so um what has to happen obviously they they need to split the next two weeks at minimum and then they they would have to go three and0 for the rest of the season to even have a chance and uh I just I don't know how confident I am in, in that happening so um it sucks man you know this was supposed to be the all-in season this was supposed to be you know a season in which the team was gonna take that next step as a as a playoff contender potentially challenge for a Super Bowl and now we're talking about missing the playoffs again for the third year in a row with Justin Herbert at quarterback granted the first one I don't really hold I don't really put much stock into that but uh it sucks man there's no way around it today was was just a, a rough day for the franchise it was a rough day for this team and uh not fun to watch at all if if Brock Purdy played against the Raiders today for the Chargers, the Chargers would have gotten beat a billion to three. Um, <laughs> like, oh, they scored three. Uh, yeah, at least they scored three. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, just just hard to get any optimism. And you know, you look at a, what the 49ers coaching staff was kind of able to do to Miami today, um, and it's just it's hard to have that same faith uh, in this coaching staff, given the injuries and just given the lack of efficiency we've seen so far. Yeah. That's the thing. If the chargers, if all they could do with all these injuries is score 17 to 20 points a game, but at least the defense is holding dudes down and you were kind of be able to win that way. Great. Like then I would consider the playoffs, but you're not getting anything from anyone at this point. They're in that, you know, quadrant of bad offense, bad defense, poor turnover or um, point differential, there's no number that looks good for them, really, except for maybe turnovers generated. Um, and that's just so inconsistent. Special teams DVOA. Special teams DVOA. But we still can't return a <laughs> kickoff to save our lives. We cannot get past the 20. Um, and we're still taking kicks out to the, the 19 to 21. But whatever. The the stench Maybe. of the team, the stench of the offense and defense is starting to carry over to special teams, though, because the, the carryouts and then Dicker misses a field goal, you know, finally ending his streak. So, you know, it's it just unfortunate. I mean, the the fake punt today was awesome. You know, that was a, that fake was a cool punt play design cool. of the fake punt. And then they, I, remember, uh, I remember the optimism I had when they did the fake punt. 45 oh dude when they when they did the fake punt i was like hell yeah this is gonna be a good day and then it wasn't it was the opposite aggressive staley is back (laughs) (laughs) oh man it just uh i hate that that, is that officially a staley call or can ficken dial that up um i so i think ficken obviously like he designs the play but i think staley would have to sign off on on hey like if you have this look we can do we can go for it so a little bit of both, I think. I'll just give it to Ficken. He deserves it. Yeah, that, I think that's – I mean, he's the one who has to design it. He's the one who has to coach his guys to execute it. Yeah. So, you know, I love Ryan Ficken. He, regardless of what happens in the offseason, Ryan Ficken has to come back on this coaching staff or I'm going to be so upset. We finally get adequate above average special teams, and if they let Ryan Ficken walk, I'm going to be pissed. How do you I, agree. That? I, I agree. I'm curious what they'll – 
do. I hope. I mean, he, he uprooted and moved after a long time in Minnesota to over here. So I think he was hoping for some stability. So if they offer him, I hope he stays. Yeah, I agree. So uh, kind of sucks that we're at this point talking about offseason already. But, uh, you know, that's how the season's been. So uh, we, of course, will have the everything the rest of the way covered for you guys. Uh, we'll have our uh, Chargers and Dolphins preview later in the week, like I said. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about some coaching changes, I'm sure at some point, but, uh, you know, we'll get, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So, uh, Tyler, any final thoughts before we head out, man? Um, the season has broken my heart so far. Um, hopefully they turn it around. I'd love it. Hey, winning is great. I'd love for them to win, but I don't know how I'm going to get excited for next year when they go all in or hire somebody like they did everything that we basically wanted them to do in the off season give or take and this is where we're at um where staley in his second year might not win a playoff game where at least mccoy and lynn won a playoff game in their first two years so i mean i don't know he has a way better roster a way better roster for sure and certainly a i don't know i don't know broke my heart this year yeah it's uh not been not been as fun as we would have hoped uh alex any final thoughts man no, my face says everything. <laughs> you loved the game? Yep. Alex is a, an embodiment of uh, positivity and happiness right now. But it's all good. You know, we're all, we're all feeling the same thing. So, um, you know, that's going to do it for us today, guys. So, uh, as always, appreciate the uh, everybody tuning in for the chat today. There's actually a, a good amount of people in here. So, I was, I was surprised at that. But um as always if you are listening to the audio version of this please leave us a rating or review uh we we do really appreciate all that because it does help the show grow so um like i said appreciate all you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next time